Welcome to Chatting with the Jakarmi. I'm Alex Jakarza, and this is your journey into the world of the fans of Jakara Pro Wrestling, or as we like to call ourselves, the Jakarmi. Kevin Ford was the very first guest on season one of Chatting with the Jakarmi, and I was very glad to get a chance to chat with him and dive a little bit more into what he loved about wrestling in Jakara, including the origins of the Jakara special websites and the Viva Jakara podcast. This was a very fun chat, and I was glad that Kevin was able to bear with me as I tried something a little bit different in the format, including some questions from people on Twitter. I hope you guys enjoy as Kevin Ford returns to chatting with the Chikarmi. Hello, everyone. Alex Chikarza here with my buddy, Kevin Ford. Kevin, welcome back to chatting with the Chikarmi. Thanks for having me back. Appreciate it. So, for those that didn't get a chance to listen to your original interview with Babs, uh, I wanted to kind of go through the basic questions to start us off. So, uh, let's start with what got you into pro wrestling, whether that's your first memory of it, or just kind of in general, like, maybe your initial thoughts. Well, my dad tells it, when I was younger, you know, on week- I have an older brother who's who's very into video games. So, like, on weekends when we go out, uh, to places. My mom would usually split off and do her thing while my dad would take my brother and I to the toy store and wherever else in the, like if it was at a mall or something. And then we'd usually end up at the arcade. Um, so my brother would go off and he'd play games and my dad would be pushing me around in my stroller. At that time, the WrestleFest arcade game for the WWF was around. And as he tells it, I was so transfixed on all the characters that I would see on the screen. You know, there's there's Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior and Demolition and Legion of Doom. And I, I remember seeing it even when I was a little older and just being like, who are these these characters? You know, to me, they were they're also colorful and larger than life and stuff. Um, but I was certainly like a little afraid of what what they were, too. Um, but okay, as I got a little older, I started getting into to wrestling itself. I would I remember watching. I remember the first Raw I ever watched was in uh, was in February of 1994. But before that. Uh, I would go to Blockbuster and get some of the Coliseum videos. I would get some of the wrestling figures. And for whatever reason, it was I was strictly a WWF kid, even through elementary and middle school when WCW was around. WCW was much more popular during like the Monday Night War in my area anyways. But I was always the – I always felt like you had to choose sides. So I stuck with WWF. But that being a little kid and seeing the WrestleFest arcade game was my, was my first memory of wrestling in general. That's awesome. Okay, so – uh, kind of with that, uh, how did you find out about Jakar and how did you get into it? Well, to talk about how I got into Jakar, I really have to talk about how I got into Ring of Honor. And as I said, I, I was a big wrestling figure person and I was on message boards. And I remember I would jump over to other message boards within that, within that different forum. And the first thing I'd really heard about Ring of Honor was when people people were talking about Austin Aries defeating Samoa Joe for the Ring of Honor world title. And so I decided I wanted to see what this was. At that time, they had some retail DVDs in stores, so I bought the first show, loved it, low-key, Brian Danielson, Christopher Daniels was the main event, and it blew me away. And so at the time, though, I was just in high school, and I didn't have much money, but people online were giving away some DVDs, and then a couple years later when I was in college, I had money, and I started getting fervently into Ring of Honor with... 2007 really being the year that I dug my teeth into it and was just buying every show and couldn't get enough. And at the same time, 2007 was the same period in which Mike Quackenbush, Jigsaw, Hallow Wicked, and Granakuma all debuted for Ring of Honor. And 
I slowly started getting a Chikara through them because I had heard also on the Wrestling Observer website, Brian Alvarez and his co-host Vincent Bearhigh had reviewed infamously at this point the King of Trios 2007 Night 3 show where they praised uh, Ken the Box versus uh, Mecha Mummy and Ricochet and Claudio, but they just buried the the tag team gauntlet on that show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is this company? Because you hear Chikara and you hear about some of the characters like like Ken the Box, and you're like, is this some weird company in Japan? Uh, but kind of looking it up, I was like, wait, I, I recognize Matt Seidel and, and these guys I know from Ring of Honor and Delirious and whomever else. And so from there, I started tuning into the podcast of GoGo. And I would, and because at that time, I was still buying every Ring of Honor show. And I, I was just like, I just don't have the money to get into another wrestling company. Uh, but I watched the podcast of GoGo, really liked following the storylines through there, seeing all the clips. And then I started following the company and their results as of today. And I remember the one thing that really intrigued me was the, was the Chris Hero and Equinox storyline when Equinox lost his mask. And I thought the whole, story of him lying about who he was to get into Jakarta to circumvent the wrestle factory was just so so interesting just so different from what a lot of wrestling companies did and i i followed that character up to king of trios 2008 and i i was paying attention to all those announcements seeing just all these crazy teams i had never heard of like team el dorado and and kaiju big battle and all these other random random teams, along with uh, guys who I knew, like Larry Sweeney. And I had also heard a lot about Chuck Taylor and watched a lot of his YouTube videos. Like, Chuck, Chuck Taylor, kind of in a way, is like the original YouTube wrestler with all of his videos of him scaring fans. Yeah. And I recognized enough Ring of Honor people from the show, and also, you know, like Team WWF with Demolition, the one-man gang, that I knew that, that King of Trios 2008 were going to be the first Chikara shows that I paid for on DVD and watched. Yeah. And sure enough, I did. And I remember it was Easter weekend. I, I went home and with a couple of friends, I watched all three nights in the span of two days. And I, and that's, I've been hooked ever since I, I knew after watching those shows that I wanted to go to the next King of Trios. And it just, it just kicked off from there. And my fandom of Jukar just grew and grew after I, after those shows. So hopefully that's not too long winded of an answer, but that kind of uh, encapsulates where I'm coming from with my Jukar fandom. Yep. No, that, that'll, that'll do it. <laughs> Um, I, I also, I do want to kind of go back cause you mentioned about, uh, being a fan of collecting the wrestling figures. Uh, I haven't had too many of those. I usually end up just using the action figures I have and wrestling around with those. Uh, what are, <laughs> uh, what are some of your favorite, uh, wrestling figures that you've collected? Uh, I was very happy, uh, not too long ago to, uh, rubbing Joey Eastman's face on Twitter that I am the owner of all seven of the last Hasbro WWF figures, which were Hasbro was the company that produced the WWF figures between, I want to say 1990 and 1994. Mm-hmm. And that's when, or maybe, maybe early 95, but either way, that's, those are the figures that I grew up with. And a lot of people are very nostalgic for, and I've kept them over time. And in my, in my adult years, I've tried to go and fix some holes in my collection. And, um, my dad over time through, through birthdays and Christmas and such, amassed through eBay, all of those, because the they're called the green packs because the cards are on our green, mm-hmm. and it's the very last set Hasbro ever made. Limited quantities were made of them. They never came to stores around me, and they go for a lot of money um, 
on eBay. And and a lot of it, the reason is because five of the seven people are first time ever figures. Mm. And one of them is, is this is funny is it's uh one of them is the one, two, three kid. And I know Joey Eastman has been trying to collect all of the Hasbro's and he has a picture of his, of his, a shelf in his home above his fireplace, with all of them. Uh, but one of them is the one, two, three kid in the green pack. And the reason that he has that in its original package is because he was given it to him by Sean Waltman himself. Uh-huh. And he said, he said, I'll give you this, but you have to promise not to open it. And I'm like, damn, that's a cool story. So, uh, but yeah, th- those are definitely the ones that I have the most fondness for. Um, you know, the rest I just kind of collected, but I, but thinking back, those are the ones I definitely have the most nostalgia for. The rest are just kind of, just kind of collected, like having the rosters and being able to have the most people, but nothing beats the original Hasbro's, if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of cool hearing about that. Uh, like I said, I haven't had too many figures myself. I used to have, I don't know if you ever had them, but they had like these kind of bendy ones. They weren't like the regular posable ones, but they were kind of like, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. And it was funny because the thing I still remember to this day that was that it was a WCW wrestler. I don't even remember who it was. I just remember that. But like there was that, and I actually have uh, uh, oh, I have one that's labeled as I think uh, Batista, but it's actually like CM Punk in a Batista box. I think I know what you're talking about from there. There's. Now, I know Galoob back in the day was making WCW figures at the same mm. time that Hasbro was making them. And I had like an Arn Anderson Bendem figure. Yeah. And, WWE, and WWF had their own Bendem figures in between Hasbro and Jax when those came out. Oh. And, I had a, and, I, and I had all those, too. I have a big box of those. You know, this, you know, that's the thing is I never really watched WCW, but I would collect wrestling figures from anywhere and everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like I, And I was watching um, ECW on TNN when all the ECW figures came out. So, of course, I had mm-hmm. to buy all those and... You know, thankfully that is an addiction my parents were happy to feed. You know, <laughs> I can only get in so much trouble playing with with wrestling toys in my basement. Yeah. So, but yeah, and and that's the and that's the other thing is that kind of led me to be like, I don't know who Ron Simmons is, but I'll buy his action figure and then I'll discover who that is. And you know, it's it's a it's an interesting way to discover new wrestlers and new companies and stuff. But hey, it worked for me. Yeah, yeah, and actually, I think I think yeah, Galoob sounds about right because I remember that was a one of the bigger. Uh, toy company names out there back in the day one of the funny things to me is that i think it's uh not mattel maybe it is mattel who has the wwf license now but they have these they have two series of figures ones are called basics which are cheaper figures both in price and just you know you, you buy the figure you get the figure and that's that but they also have this set of figures called elites which are about double the price but they also come with a ton of different accessories and they make them both for contemporary wrestlers and legends, tons of points of articulation, way better than any wrestling figure that's ever been produced. And I'm just happy. And I, and I, I have a few of them, but I'm glad I wasn't in my most diehard wrestling figure day or I'd be a very broke man there. The kids today are just spoiled with the, with the <laughs> great wrestling figures they can get. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to remember to post a picture of the one that I have back home when I get a chance. Cause like I said, I remember the fact that I, I spotted it at a Target, and it was, I'm pretty sure it was listed as in a Batista box. The figure itself was basically CM Punk, and I recognized it because of the Pepsi tattoo of all things. I, was like, I think oh. they're called, like, Flexums or something along those lines, maybe. Oh, okay, the the, the bendy ones? Or... Yeah, I never yeah, had yeah, any yeah, of those, because yeah. I thought those were kind of dumb. <laughs> um, but it, I actually have an, uh, an interesting figure story just in this last week. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a really nice day, so I was driving around. And, so, and from time to time, I'll pop into a Toys R Us that's close enough but not super close to be convenient by me just to see kind of what's new, what's in stores. And, you know, maybe I'll pick up a Sami Zayn figure or a Finn Balor or a Hideo Tommy, something like that yeah. once in a while. And I don't know if you're familiar with this concept, but uh, a big thing they've been doing lately is these mystery box figures and keychains and even Legos gotten into them. Uh, where they have like a set of like 16 characters and you buy uh, a figure in a box or a bag and you don't know who you're getting. So it's a completely mm-hmm. blind buy. You could buy six boxes and get the six exact same figure. Uh, and, you know, kind of the hope is you want to collect them all. And it's kind of the thrill of, I don't know who I'm getting in this. Yeah. And WWE did something very similarly. And at my Toys R Us, they had two of them left and they were on clearance for about $5 each. And I was like, you know, I've driven all this way. What the hell? I'll buy these two. And, you know, I as, as I'm buying this, I'm like, you know, just knowing my luck, I'm going to get like two Brie Bellas or something like that. <laughs> Not there's anything wrong with Brie Bella, but I don't yeah. really need two of them. Yeah. Um, and so I buy them and I take them home and I open them. And to my pleasant surprise, I got the Ultimate Warrior and Daniel Bryan, which I could wow. not have been happier with. So that's one of those instances where uh, an impulse purchase worked out in my favor. And now those two are happily sitting on my desk at work. Huh, nice. Nice. Okay. Um. So kind of going back to Kakara, what are some of your favorite moments and maybe maybe your favorite wrestler from Jakara? Gosh, that's such a broad question. <laughs> you know, it's like, where do you even begin? You know, like I said, like King of Trios 2008 was really the period where I started watching. And, uh, you know, the the hero Equinox revelation is a great moment because that even though I didn't see it right away when it happened, when I did see it, I, I was happy that that was the jumping on point for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even going from there, that year's Young Lions Cup, Night 3 has two really great moments. The first being Mike Quackenbush's speech uh, explaining why he turned on Shane Storm in the in the beginning of the the, the eye of tear angle that's a great moment and then just the end with uh, with avenger art and fire and having what i consider to be one of the best matches ever in Jakara, and just how into it the crowd was and and just how emotional it was um and for fire Ant to ultimately win and and that being the last match in that hellertown building is something really special but the one thing that even a little bit i kind of kick myself to this day over missing is the formation of the bdk I was at uh, the Verizon Center in Washington, D.C. because the Survivor Series was that night. I remember I'm there, and, you know, Chikara's matinee shows on Sundays. So I'm sitting there and waiting for the event to, to unfold, and uh, my friend Jerome, who helped co-found Pro Wrestling Ponders for me, shoots me a text message that basically just says, he lays out what happened with the BDK, and I'm just losing my mind. I'm like, I wish I could leave and just go home and somehow watch this. Like, what is going on? I couldn't wait to get that DVD in my hands. And then from a live perspective, um, you know, 2009 King of Trios was my first live experience with Chikara. And I'll never forget the atmosphere for that Kota Ibushi, El Generico, Nick Jackson, Jigsaw four-way. And just how insane it was, how everything kept escalating, how the crowd was just losing their minds. It was just like a collective recognition from an audience that you're watching something really special and really good. And along with that, jump forward a couple years to King of Trios 2011. And uh, the whole moment of just or just the whole weekend encapsulating uh, Larry Sweeney, who unfortunately had passed away just four days prior to that weekend and how it was it was an emotional powder keg in there. But everybody kept it together and put on just three spectacular nights of wrestling, uh, almost capitalizing with Sean Waltman, who had been on this crazy comeback weekend as the one, two, three kid having his match with El Generico and the Rey de Voladores and just how phenomenal that match was and how that was a banner weekend for him. And it was just 
gosh, it was crazy. And then um, with that, uh, at the end of that year, high noon, the first Chikara pay-per-view, uh, I was there to see Eddie Kingston versus Mike Quackenbush, and that atmosphere was also crazy. Just seeing the entire locker room come out, wrestlers from the past who people hadn't seen in a while, like Hydra and even Reckless Youth being there. That was one of those moments I saw Reckless Youth and my jaw literally dropped. That was somebody I just did not expect to see on that evening. And just the emotion of Eddie Kingston winning the, the grand championship and dedicating his win to, to Larry Sweeney, having it presented by Larry Sweeney's brother and his good friend was just, oh, it was just crazy. Just so crazy. And I guess, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, of course, this past year, Chikara bringing me personally into the ring uh, to mm. congratulate me on on beating cancer, which was unexpected and crazy and, and very surreal and something I obviously will never forget. And it's one of those things that I'm, I'm very grateful for Chikara for doing that. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's cool that you mentioned King of Trios. 2011. I remember that was actually around the time that I started getting into Chikara myself. Uh, and I remember that was when uh, King of Trios was still in April. Uh, or at least it was like earlier in the year than it has been lately. And I remember uh, wanting so badly to <laughs> go to this indie show weekend in, in Philadelphia. But yeah, that, 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 that definitely sounds like some, some awesome stuff there. And uh, I'm glad that Chikara was able to kind of give you that moment uh, recently as well. Yeah. And that's, you know, all those moments I talked about are great where I'm, yeah. you know, King of trios and high noon and stuff, but like that moment in the ring is mine and mine only that I can, that yeah. I can, that I can take with me and reminisce and nobody will know. Nobody else will know how I felt or nobody else will know what, what that meant to me. And just the shock and just, I basically like didn't pay attention during that entire main event. I was so like, just overwhelmed with, with emotion and just so taken aback. And it was, it was just a crazy night. I don't even, I really don't even know how to explain it. It was just so, it, and it was great too. Cause my, I had, um, one of my friends was dealing with some family problems who went well, he was there and he was kind of on edge. Um, and, and almost in a way, like he didn't want to be there. He, he felt that his, he needed to be elsewhere. But when that moment happened, I could tell he's like, I'm really glad I stayed. And I'm really glad I was here to see, see that moment. It was, it was a nice affirmation because I was actually supposed to go to Chikara in their Chicago doubleheader in 2014. And that day before the day I was going to fly out uh, is when I got diagnosed. And so I missed that entire trip. And then it was a year later missing by a week. I got to go back to Chicago almost as sort of just like, um, just like exercising that demon in a way. And it worked out too, because that show happened to be on my birthday. So it just felt like, well, this feels really appropriate to go back to Chicago and do all this. And, you know, it's, it certainly is one of the most memorable birthdays I had and such a, such a great thing. I, again, I, I, I couldn't thank Chikara enough for it. And it's still, even to this day is still quite surreal. Uh, I, I, it's on the DVD. It's on, it's on Chikaratopia. I will never watch it. I can't bring myself to watch it. It's one of those things I just want etched in my memory and don't want to go back and watch it. Also, I'm a little embarrassed to go back and watch it, but that's mm -hmm. another story. Yeah, that's, that's, that is cool though. Um, so actually kind of going into that, then I want to talk about the Chikara special. Uh, you mentioned PW Ponderings, which, uh, uh, Jerome, you and others have kind of co-founded. Uh, mm -hmm. I wanted to, so how did the, so you, I think you mentioned before, but how did the Chikara special come about? Well, before Pro Wrestling Ponderings was even a thing, there was a website called the Cool Kids Table, 
which was an independent wrestling website similar to Pro Wrestling Pondering that also had a podcast equivalent to it. And I was listening to some wrestling podcasts at the time, but none of them were really talking about independent professional wrestling. And so I searched iTunes, and I found this one, and I really liked it because it, it didn't just talk about one company. You could tell the guys were big Ring of Honor fans, but they would talk about uh, PWG, IWA Mid-South. They would talk about Jakar a little bit. And if they weren't knowledgeable, they'd bring on somebody else to talk about it. Uh, and it, and it really opened my horizons and I love their style of writing. And I'm one of those people where if I really get into something, I want the world to know. I don't like to keep it for myself. I want to share with my friends. I want them to get into it. I want to go online and talk about it. And so I went to them. And at that time I was like, Hey, I'd like to do a ring of honor article. And they said, okay. So I started doing that. And then. The end of 08, my Chikara fandom was getting really high, and my Ring of Honor fandom was kind of dissipating somewhat. So I asked them, I said, can I switch over to do a Chikara article? And they said, sure, okay. And then a bunch of stuff happened with the, with the founders of the website, and it ended up closing at the end of 2008. And one of the founders used to write for 411 Mania. And he said, and this is kind of getting into both Pro Wrestling Ponderings and the Chikara special stuff that's going on today. And he said, uh, you know, if you really want to continue doing your Chikara article, I can go talk to the 401 Mania people and see if they let you do it. And I said, sure. And Larry Zonka, who's a great friend of mine now, was totally on board with me having a Chikara article. So I got to continue doing it there. And uh, it, it, it kept going for a long time. Um, but writing a Chikara article every week, especially with the amount of content they were putting out at that time, was a big chore. Like it would take me, if I sat down and just did it, it would take three to four hours and it published on a Saturday. So if news broke on a Monday, by the time that article came out, it was kind of already old news. Hmm. So I, and it just, it was too much of a time commitment. So I eventually just kind of stopped doing it, but I didn't want to completely not do anything with Jakar anymore. So, uh, the Tumblr seemed like the best way to keep it current and not make it such a chore. So, like, when one match comes out, I can write about that right away. Uh, you know, a YouTube video comes out, I can throw it up, blog, et cetera, et cetera. And it's more timely. You know, people get that news in little bits, uh, dirt, you know, when, in real time, when, the, when they come out. And I was also doing Chikara DVD reviews at that time. And, and uh, you know, like I said, when I like something, I kind of want to put it out there. I want, I want people to know. And, you know, there was tons of reviews about Ring of Honor and PWG and, and the, all these other companies, but I didn't really see anybody covering Chikara that much. So I kind of made that my my hill to die on. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of never stopped. And Brad Garoon, who was one of the people who founded that Cool Kids Table website, he took it upon himself to do this website called o um, Open the Garoon Gate, which was a review blog for every Dragon Gate show and every appearance that Dragon Gate wrestlers made in other companies. And at that point, I had already reviewed about a couple of years of Chikara, and I had a lot of uh, DVDs and such with Chikara people and outside companies that I thought, you know, this is something I, I could do for Chikara as well, because they kind of follow a, a similar system where they're both companies that have schools that kind of farm out their students to other places. And so that's where that idea came in. And then Pro Wrestling Ponderings was just kind of us filling the void that the Cool Kids Table left. There really wasn't a website that was filling these needs for the independent wrestling fan. And I really like podcasting. I like talking a lot and talking to fellow wrestling fans. So that was a natural thing. And it pretty much started as that. And then slowly we, we, we built this foundation of a website where now we have news, we have reviews, we have articles, uh, we have results. I know we've had, you know, people like Gabe Sapolsky tell us like, we're the place that he comes to for indie wrestling results. 
and a lot of people telling that because I remember the days where you'd have to dig through a number of different message boards if you wanted to find the results of all your all the indie companies going on that weekend, and that's just a hassle. Who wants to go on message boards anymore? <laughs> so we wanted a one stop shop where people could come for come for results, stay for the podcast, stay for the original content. And uh, so far, I'm very proud of what we've done. It's hard to believe that uh, this upcoming May is going to be seven years of Pro Wrestling Ponderings, which I would have oh. never guessed back in the day. And, I, and I'm really proud of the work we've done. And I would I'd venture to say that a lot of people do consider us the place to go for independent wrestling on the Internet, which is incredibly flattering. But we definitely put a lot of hard work into it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I've I've talked about it before, but. Uh, in the same way that WrestleView was has always been kind of my go-to for the WWE and TNA results, well, WWE more so, but uh, PW Ponderings has definitely been my go-to for the indie wrestling results. Uh, I think I, I think it, I think it was like either Chikara or Ring of Honor that I first started checking results out for over there, and so yeah, it's it's, it's definitely a lot of good stuff. Uh, yeah, and and you know you know kind of the hope is that maybe you'll come to check out. Hey, we went on a PWG this weekend, and then you'll you'll hear about CWF Mid Atlantic, or you'll hear about AIW or Beyond Wrestling, something like that, and maybe you'll maybe you'll start getting interested in that, and that's kind of the hope. Yeah, and yeah, and I I think that's I I think that's actually what's kind of happened with me is I was checking results for one thing over there and got into other stuff, and it was great. I even like that you guys give enough attention to get at least a, a post out for some of the small local indie feds that kind of come by so yeah i mean i mean that's that's kind of the point is there's a lot of people who it's like hey we're a new group or hey we have this big show do you mind posting this this press release or, or, or letting people know about it and absolutely you know our the point of the website is not to get ourselves over or make ourselves famous. we really want to do good for the independent wrestling community and if something good comes of it for us that's just a nice side effect but that is not at all the goal yeah um, speaking of podcasting, uh, kind of with the Chikara special comes the Viva Chikara podcast. And I wanted to kind of talk about sort of the origins of that and uh, just kind of go from there, kind of giving us an idea of what, what that's all about. Uh, well, you know, I did a Chikara podcast for a little bit over at the Cool Kids table with uh, with somebody who actually he ended up training at the Wrestle Factory, but I, he, has not, he has not appeared on any shows and I don't really want to giveaways identity just in case something were to happen with him uh but that went away you know when the website when the website went away and he went away and i think he was considering training for wrestling so he can't really be reviewing and talking about wrestling on the internet and also training that's just it's pretty taboo um and so i was doing my article over on 401 mania for chikara and pro wrestling ponderings wanted something similar and so they put out a call on i don't even know how big twitter was at that point but they put out something saying hey we're looking for new writers Here's some topics we like to talk about. And Justin Houston was one of those people who submitted his his article for Chikara. And when it comes to anything dealing with Chikara, usually Jerome or Chris Gishun Tong, who's also one of the co-founders of the website, they'll shoot it to me in the book. What do you think? Because obviously they want to know that I want to make sure this person knows what they're talking about. And so I read it and I, I, I laughed. I liked his style of writing. It was very obvious he was paying attention to to stuff in detail uh, as much as me. And I was like, this guy's perfect. And so he wrote an article. And of course, uh, just having the relationship of us talking Chikara, I, I threw out the idea to him. I said, what do you think about doing a podcast together? And he was down for it. Cause like, like me, Justin likes talking, Justin likes writing. So it seemed like a, a very natural fit. And 
it's I want to say it was 2010 we started doing it together, maybe 2011. But it's just something we've routinely done since then as we, we get together about once a month. We chat about Jakar. We chat about the shows coming up. And we've had quite a few people tell us, you know, I don't have the time or the resources to really follow Jakara, but I always make sure to tune into your podcast because that's all I need to get caught up in all the stories and the characters and whatnot. And again, that's the point, you know, is we want people to, because I, you know, I understand more than anything else. Jakara has a lot of different dissemination points. You've got the main website, you have their social media, you have the Jakara 101, you have the YouTube channel. It's kind of hard to get every bit of detail from Chikara sometimes. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. like being so we like being that dissemination point where people can come to, they listen, and we give you everything you need to know. So if you're going into the next shows blindly, you're you're caught up and you know what you're doing. And for us it's just something fun to do. You know, if we didn't have fun doing it, we wouldn't do it. But it's it's even for us it's just a nice once a month thing to get together and catch up and it's a lot of fun. And I'm and I'm glad it's serving its purpose to so many people. Cool. So kind of from there I, I had some other topics that I want to talk about. Uh, first off, one of the one of the angles from Chikara that's always been kind of divisive for the fans was the shutdown angle, and I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on it and like everything that was going on. You know, ultimately, I don't think it was it was a success. I think when Chikara closed, it was I don't want to say it was at the height of its popularity, but pretty close. You know, people were really getting into a lot of the shows, and with Kevin Steen and the Young Bucks being around, uh, that 2012 Cybernetico is maybe one of my favorite Chikara matches ever. Uh, it seemed like things were going really, really well. I, I was super excited for the Never Compromise pay-per-view, which I didn't attend because my friend had to get married that day. Hmm. What a jerk. Um, but, you know, Chikara closed, and obviously there was speculation and there was interest, but I think when it reopened, you know, 20, 2014 was somewhat of a dud of a year. 2015 was at the challenge of the immortals, which a lot of people kind of wipe, you know, wash their hands clean of before it even started. Hmm. So it just seems like there's, there was a lot of interest in Chikara when it closed and they've just had a really rough time getting people, you know, you know, a lot of the diehard fans came back, but there's a lot of people who, you know, check in here and there who, unless it's King of Trios, the finale, just, just can't be bothered to, to check in. And I think that it's, it's been tough. It's been a really rough go since they came back. And I think, you know, when they, when they came back, they really need to come back with something big, something that people would sink their teeth into. And I don't think the flood in Deucalion was the right answer in retrospect. So, mm-hmm. and I hate to say that because obviously I like Jakar and I follow mm-hmm. it and I watch every show and all that stuff. But you know, so, you know, something was missing. But I will say that when I watched the season premiere shows from this year, they felt like it felt like a fresh start. Like we're we're on the right track to something good. The matches were really great. We have some good stories going right now. So I feel like. 2016 feels like the year where Chikara can hopefully put it back together and hopefully get some of those new, some of the older fans back and some new ones as well. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So moving on to the next topic, you you mentioned kind of what other people's reactions were to the challenge of the immortals. What did you think of it? Did, did you think it was like, I get like, what did you enjoy and what do you think they could have done better? Well, for starters, I think it was too long. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where when I, when I heard of it conceptually, I was like, this is a pretty cool idea. And I liked a lot of the teams. There were some really good matches thrown in there, but it was just too hard to keep track of, you know, 90 matches. That's, oh, that is a lot uh, to ask of people to pay attention to for the span of nine years. So it's one of those things where you hear about it and you either 
say, hey, I'm intrigued, I'll, I'll check it out, or you're just immediately wash your hands of because you don't want to pay attention to that much of it. Um, and, you know, not every match was, was great, but not every match in wrestling is, just kind of how it goes. But I think by the end, I, I will say this, I think the Challenge of the Immortals finals were fantastic. If you're going to have a 90-match year-round tournament, that's the way you end it. You make that finale count. And I don't know. I just feel like it wasn't – you can even tell, like, Chikara seemed to kind of lose focus, and they kind of seemed to lose interest in it near the end. And some guys just weren't around or whatever else. And I think they did their best to try to make each team interesting. But I think if they were to do it again, I wouldn't do it for an entire year, and I would truncate how many matches there are. So I think it's a concept that, that could work, but I just think it was it was too big. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you on that. Like, I, I, for the most part, I enjoyed it, but like you said, it was, it was kind of long, and it was definitely hard to keep track of. Uh, like there, like there's those people who wouldn't, you know, watch the card, and they would be like, "Oh, this is still going on." Yeah, they're like, "Wait, that was like March when they talked about it, right? Now it's like August, and that's still a thing." Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's still a thing. It's like, well, are we close to it being over? Mm-hmm. Not really. No. Nah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh what are your thoughts on Kevin Condren and I guess like the more recent stuff with Snowflake and whatnot? He was far and away the most interesting character in twenty fifteen. You know, I think it's one of those Everybody loves all the old Chikar people. You know, everybody who, who came back to Chikar, obviously they were fans of Eddie Kingston and the Colony and the Osirian Portal and the throwbacks, all those guys that people were familiar with. Um, and it's been a slow go with some of those newer characters, but, but Condren just had that, that personality, that aura about him that immediately interest, interested me right away. And I remember when he, when he turned from Kid Cyclone to that, I was like, holy crap, this guy can talk. Like, this guy's good. And he, they did a good job of capitalizing on it right away. The snowflake turn was really bizarre, and unfortunately, it looks like he's, you know, there's there hasn't been much with him in the first half of season sixteen. So I don't know where he went, but I think far and away, him and the Battleborn was one of those things that I was most intrigued by in 2015. And you know, he's he's easily the most promising of all the new people they've had in the last year. Yeah. I can definitely, I remember when I was talking to Babs uh, uh, for our interview, I remember saying that he was one of my, my favorites at the time. Uh, yeah, I I have no idea what's going on with all that, but uh, yeah, because I remember like there were comparisons between him and Vin Gerard, with the obvious difference being like that Gerard kind of was forced to reveal himself and Condra did it willingly, and that kind of opened up a whole, you know, a whole different thing as far as like where he was coming from. So, ah, no, and I made that comparison too, but I thought, yeah. you know, I the Vin Gerard thing was had so much potential as well, and it was really really great for about a year or so until it kind of just kind of petered out. I mean, that's just kind of the nature of the character. It didn't it didn't evolve or it didn't evolve in a terribly interesting way. But Condren was still was still going and he, and he did evolve a lot in season in season 15, and I'm I'm ready to see what the next step of his career is. So I hope I hope this is not the end of Snowflake and Chikara because there was definitely a lot of promise there. And I still want to know why they would put such a handsome man under a mask. <laughs> yeah. So my last two couple topics here are slightly related and 
wanted to bring this up really just to hear your take on it. Uh, as as you know, one of the one of the storylines that's kind of begun in season sixteen is what I like to call the Chuck Taylor situation. The uh, fact that Chuck Taylor isn't Chuck Taylor anymore, and Chuck Taylor is someone completely different. And I really wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that whole mess. It's maybe my favorite angle in wrestling right now. When I when I heard about it, I was like, "This is genius! Like this is this is so great!" Like like Chuck Taylor, and I'm talking about the original Chuck Taylor, who mm-hmm. Dustin Dustin of the best friends. Uh, one of my favorites in Chikara for sure. Just so fun, so funny. Just everything about him to me represents kind of what's right in professional wrestling. Uh, it also helps that he's a part of my favorite match in Chikara history, that being the Icarus and Chuck Taylor versus Fire Ant Soldier Ant Mask versus Hair Match from Anniversary 2009. Mm. Uh, but I just, I just love his, like his humor and mine are very similar. Like I think he's hilarious, and I think the the name changing stuff is just is just great. And I'm a big fan of the man behind the Chuck Taylor TM gimmick, so I'm so infatuated with the idea of this. And I think both guys are really charismatic, and I just think there's this can't fail with those two personalities. This is going to be really awesome. And the fact that the new Chuck Taylor names his his maneuver Soul Food, S O U L, brilliant, perfect. Yeah. What like what a great story. Yeah, it, yeah, I, I do I do like it myself. I just think it's funny, especially as we kind of get to as we relate to my last topic here. Uh, I've I've unofficially named this before, but now I can kind of reveal it. I call it Who's Chikara Is Anyway because it's a bit of a mishap with points. And obviously, like, there's a question of the original Chuck Taylor's two points on the table and the fact that the new Chuck Taylor just got his first point. So kind of what's your take on on some of the points issues? And I think maybe more specifically with that, but just kind of in general. Well, I think Chikar is purposely keeping it vague between the two of them, especially if, uh, if Chuck Taylor the old Chuck Taylor is going to be changing his name every show. Like does, does his points carry with that name or do they not? So what I've decided, uh, and I have a point total leaderboard on the Chikara special uh, review website is to leave Chuck, the old Chuck Taylor's points alone and to count the new Chuck Taylor's points as Chuck Taylor trademark uh, and just carry those as two separate points. And then, um, you know, it's, I might create a separate section for all of uh, what's his name. Uh, Bug Nevins now, oh, all of his, yeah. all of his points and his different characters. But at the same time, like he just lost to Heidi Loveless, so yeah. So that I, so that part of it's kind of off, off. Right. So like I assume that I assume that Scoot Tatum and Rick Beanbag and Bug Nevins points are all a race now. But you know, Jakar is not making a clarification on it, and I think that's that's purposeful. So we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that just about wraps everything up. But uh, Earl. Earlier this afternoon, uh, I did make a call out on Twitter for questions uh, using the hashtag chat and board, which will be the hashtag I use when I post this. Uh, and you and I were talking off air right before I started recording that we'd gotten two questions and we actually just got a third one. So this will be fun. Oh, wow. Okay. It's going to be a lot more fun than I, than I even hoped for. Okay. So the first question is from Juan Francisco de Coronado. Uh, that is at one FD, never heard of. <laughs> and he asks, "Who is the greatest? Who is the greatest Ecuadorian wrestler in the history of Chikara Pro?" 
Oh, does he specifically say Chikara Pro? He does say specifically Chikara Pro. Oh, see, if he was saying all of wrestling, I was going to say Hugo Savinovich. Um, you know, more people know him, I think, as a WWE announcer, but he's done All Japan. He was in WWC forever, but uh, I hate giving that man any satisfaction, but I think just by default, I don't know if any other wrestler is Ecuadorian. Maybe one of the Ice Creams is, and they're just lying about being from Mexico. But I guess I'll find one. You got me here. <laughs> Okay, our, our next question is a two-parter uh, from Jakob Hammermeyer, at J Hammermeyer on the Twitters. Uh, this He says this is a two-parter, uh, part one. Scale of one to ten, how excited are you that I am the new king of Chikara Pro? Well, you know, we're both in the United States. We don't have a king. We have We have presidents, and we're in the midst of a presidential debate. And, it's, and right now, it's kind of hard to get excited for, for most of the candidates, I would say. Um, but having a king, you know, him being the king of Chikara, I don't know how much that's going to affect me directly. And I like Jakob. I like the BDK. I actually like Pinky and, and, and Jaka quite a bit. Um, but it's hard to get excited for him. I don't know what his platform is. I don't know what his plans are for Chikara. It seems like right now his platform is just bragging about being the king. So, I don't know. Let's go with three. Let's go three. Just to, just to give him a number. Maybe okay. 3.5. I'm feeling generous. Okay, Kevin says 3.5. I'm going to go ahead and answer that myself. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm going to give him a sideways 8, which some of you might recognize as the Infinity Symbol. So, You're a big Jakob supporter? Um, about as much as I can be. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I got, no, I got no problem with Jakob. You know, there's... We'll see. We'll see. Now he has, I guess, Hollow Wicked's under his control with the Eye of Tear now or something. Yeah. So that's pretty I'm, weird. I'm, I'm actually very interested in seeing, especially... You know, because uh, last season we had we had the whole thing with uh, Hollow Wicked following the order of Nazmadun, and uh, well, that's the thing is like I was like, wait, but Delirious put him under the spell of the Eye of Tear, so now the Eye of Tear use it again. There's something I'm missing, maybe. Uh, yeah, I have no idea what was going on. All I like, I think one thing I because uh, I remember something you even talked about on Viva Chikara right before the season finale. You you mentioned like how interesting it would be if like Nazmaldun would make some sort of like physical manifestation, if you will, at the yeah. season uh, finale. And then of course, not only did that not happen, uh, Hollow had lost the title at the very end, uh, after the end credits roll, as it were. And I really don't know what's going on with that, other than now apparently Jakob has control of the Nightmare Warriors. Um, yeah, apparently. I had somebody ask me if that meant that that was the end of the Nightmare Warriors, and my response was, mm, I don't I don't think that's what that means. I think that literally just means that that's what's going to happen. Why be in control of one faction? You could be in control of two. Exactly. Um, sec so the second part of Jakob's question is, Great King or the Greatest King? Well, again, his reign just started. There's really no... There's really no basis to for me to say to say great or greatest. So I think it's going to be a wait and see situation. No answer for you, Jakob. No. <laughs> no answer from Ford, and I'm going to have to go with with Ford on that one. And no answer for me as well. Uh, let's see. So I actually had a couple questions come in right as I was getting ready to getting to this segment uh, from our friend. Uh, Thunder Fudge, 
Oh, uh, that's Justin. Justin J. Houston on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your okay. co-host from Viva Chikara. So the first question that he asks is, what other bejeweled body parts of tier can we expect to show up in Chikara Pro? <sighs> so since we've already had an eye of tier, what else do you Sure. Yeah, I understand this question. <laughs> uh, I don't know, maybe a pinky toe of tear? You know, if Jakob has the eye, wouldn't Pinky Sanchez have the pinky of tear? Think about it. That sounds like a good default. Yep. Okay. And the other question. Let's see. In your experience, do any wrestlers have interesting personal orders? Specifically at Sexy Chucky T. So I guess the artist formerly known as Chuck Taylor. Like, like body odor? Was that the question? I guess that's the question. Um, no, not of the wrestlers I've been around. I can't say for sure. I, you know, I've, I've, I've talked to Chuck a couple times just strictly as a fan. I'm sure he has no idea who I am. Uh, I've bought a lot of Chuck Taylor t-shirts. I like that man quite a bit, but, uh, I did not notice any smell of his. Now the swamp monster who I had a picture with, uh, he had a little bit of a smell, but he's the swamp monster. He's sort of a swamp that just yes. comes with, that's just expected. So I can uh, I can forgive him. He actually, and I'll say this: Did the swamp monster smell? Yes. Did he smell as bad as I thought he would? No. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. I think I I think I got a small whiff of it even watching one of his matches, and that was off of YouTube. That wasn't even a live show. Uh, so you figured that one out. But I do have one last question from Justin J. Houston, and I think I'll kind of wrap things up with this: Where does Fire Ant, where at the Fire Ant stand on marriage equality? I'll take your best guess here. Oh my gosh. I assume he's he's in favor. I have no reason to think otherwise. You know, and it's funny because I, and one reason I say that is because I think he's a fan of Unity. Because if you think about it, he's really the one ant who's been the linchpin of the colony this whole time. Mm -hmm. You know, Worker Ant wasn't there from the beginning. Silver Ant went with the Nightmare Warriors under whatever brainwashed thing he was, and then Soldier Ant was AWOL for a long time. And Firewood was really the only one who just kept uh, kept things together. So I'm going to say he is... What was the, what was the exact question again? Where is, what's, where's he where he stand on marriage? He, where do, yeah, where does he stand on marriage equality? I'm going to say he's firmly for, for equal marriage for all. Okay. Definitely go with that. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone who sent in their questions. Uh, and like with that, I guess we can kind of wrap this up. Uh, so Kevin, before we go, I'd like you to go ahead and, uh, let everyone know where they can find you on social media and what projects you're involved with. Uh, well, first you can follow me on Twitter at K 13. That's my personal Twitter account. Um, also you can follow at your special on Twitter. That's kind of a dissemination point for all the Chikara special websites I do. Uh, but the latest wrestling project I'm involved with is, uh, uh, fortunately, being with Pro Wrestling Ponderings and doing all this stuff online has given me an opportunity uh, to do commentary in the wrestling business. And I am uh, happy to be the announcer for Nova Pro Wrestling, a new wrestling company out of Northern Virginia. Uh, two shows in the can. We have another show coming up on March 20th. So if you're interested in that, go to VA Wrestling on Twitter. Uh, you can also go to novaprowrestling.tumblr.com or search for it on Facebook. Uh, we have another show coming up in Virginia. So if you're anywhere in the Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C. area, definitely would love for you to come out. And if you're not in any of those areas, all of our shows are available on SmartMark Video on DVD or MP4, or you can stream them at smvod.com. 
I think that's all the plugs I have. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks again for coming on here again, Kevin. It's been, it's been an honor and a pleasure uh, chatting with you. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks again to Kevin Ford for coming back on to chat with me. And a big shout out to at Juan FD Coronado, at Jay Hammermeyer, and at Justin J. Houston for sending their questions in on Twitter. And thank you for listening to Chatting with the Jacarmi. If you're interested in being on the show or in doing a written chat, feel free to sign up on our website, jacarain15.com. And if you get a chance, be sure to rate and review this show on iTunes and Stitcher and let me know how I'm doing. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at CI15Podcast and like us on Facebook at Jakarin 15 Minutes or Less. Till next time, this is Alex Jakarzum, and I'm looking forward to chatting with you, Jakarmi.